New Zealand was the first country in the OECD to set a target of zero waste to landfills by 2020. Despite that, New Zealanders dump nearly 9 million tonnes of rubbish a year. Karen Gregory-Hunt tracks that rubbish from home to landfill and examines new legislation aimed at cleaning up. Glenview Primary School sits in a bird-filled bush-clad corner of Cannons Creek north of Wellington. The school enjoys sweeping views of the Takapu Valley, where gorse is giving way to regenerating native bush, thanks to planting projects initiated by the school and the local community. The Belmont Trail that you can you can see in the distance there that um, borders the school, which means we've got a lovely uh, seed-producing belt of established native bush up there that we benefit from with the bird life that it's attracted. Um, and also we have different planting initiatives that run alongside the Mararoa planting project. That's a community planting project um, that you can see dotted through the, the trail there with all the, the little nursery plants growing in amongst the gorse. Glenview is one of 340 schools taking part in the Enviro Schools programme, supported by local councils and colleges of education. Lester Mohi is the school's deputy principal. He works closely with the children on bush plantings, as well as recycling, gardening and composting. Glenview School is a health promoting school and we are involved in a fruit in schools initiative where our children are lucky to receive a piece of fruit in their lunch and break intervals. Uh, as a result it's actually increased our, our waste and what we've done to address that issue is we've constructed the uh, compost bins that we have here. We've allocated uh, monitors that are in charge of making sure that each class collects their scraps and disposes of them in these compost bins. And we've uh, added them over time to our uh, existing bean garden we've got going here. And as demand has increased because other classes have become involved in the initiative, other other garden boxes have been constructed by the children. And we have the, the compost that we can add as a base layer to help the growth of the plants we're putting in there. It's a world away from the city tip. New Zealand may sell itself as 100% pure, but our waste tells a different story. In 2006, New Zealanders dumped 3.2 million tonnes of waste into landfills, while we each disposed of 1,500 kilograms of rubbish. A 2003 OECD report found New Zealand had the sixth largest per capita ecological footprint among member countries. In fact, the tip isn't just about rubbish. Much of what arrives here is sorted and recycled. Most councils run recycling schemes, though as the price of petrol has soared, many wonder if it's worth it. Mike Mendonca is the Wellington City Council's manager of city operations. As it becomes more and more expensive to collect recycling, it makes it more and more prohibitive. And a lot of, a lot of councils are now finding that and asking the question, is it still worthwhile recycling? But most councils do it because ratepayers demand it. We recycle for, for three main reasons. The, the first reason is that we avoid reusing precious resources. And that's a very difficult thing to measure. Secondly, it's um, so we don't use up landfill space because it's been drummed to, into us from a very early age that landfills are bad and that recycling is good. And thirdly, and probably the most important reason, is that it makes us feel good. So I think there's a public expectation that when we're recycling environmentally, it's way, way better than, than, than landfilling. Indeed, recycling is Joe Citizen's way of saving the planet one can at a time. 
The curbside collections run by most councils are now a part of urban life. Okay, tomorrow's recycling day, so we're going to get all the recycling ready. Okay, we'll just grab everything and into the bin. On collection day, the same scene is played out in neighbourhoods across the country. Morning. Morning. It's part of a sea change in attitudes to environmental issues as a green consciousness sweeps our towns and cities. Philippa Howden-Chapman is the director of the Centre for Sustainable Cities based in Wellington. There are groups springing up all around Wellington where I live, in Brooklyn, out in the Hutt Valley, all sorts of different initiatives about food, about carpooling, ideas that have been around for a long time but are now being drawn together as a way of thinking this is what we're doing for our corner of the planet. Five years ago, the government formally adopted its zero-waste policy, and two-thirds of local councils have followed suit. New Zealand is a latecomer to serious waste reduction efforts, but that's changing in line with trends overseas, where people are moving from old throwaway habits to dedicated efforts to reduce waste. Philippa Howden-Chapman says the change is long overdue. At last, the public consciousness about climate change and the fact that we're going to have to move rapidly to make our cities sustainable. It's an issue that the government's really concerned about, particularly in Auckland with the Royal Commission. Local councils are really interested in it. And then there's this really interesting grassroots movement. Eco-consciousness now extends well beyond recycling paper, plastic and tin cans. Take the current craze for clothing swaps, based on the old adage that one person's trash is another's treasure. Well here I am at Victoria University and you're having a swapping day, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's, a, it's basically a, a clothes swap and the idea is that you um, bring along your clothes that you don't want anymore and in return you can sort of rummage around and find something that appeals to you. So yeah, yeah, I would encourage like everyone who has friends who wants to get clothes, get rid of clothes to um, organise one of these things because they're a lot of fun. And reduces waste. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, where would these clothes go otherwise? They would probably, you know, get thrown out or new clothes would be made in order to satisfy demands, which of course is wasteful. So yeah, the idea of re- recycling clothes is pretty sustainable as well. Yeah. New Zealanders are getting better at reducing waste. The Packaging Council has produced figures showing 60% of packaging is now recycled, a lift of 14.5% in two years. The Council's Executive Director is Paul Curtis. If you look at it on a per capita basis, the amount of packaging that we consume has actually declined by about 3 kilograms, but the amount of packaging that we recycle has increased by 11 kilograms per person. So that's a fantastic result. Paul Curtis says companies are also tweaking their packaging to reduce carbon emissions and costs. And that in itself is driving innovation to use lighter materials. And of course, lighter materials consume fewer resources, consumes less energy in production and requires less fuel to ship around. 
Um, a good example of that, actually, would be in the, with the manufacturers of food cans. About a year ago, they moved to a much narrower gauge of template steel that they make the cans from, and that accounts for a drop in the uh, amount of steel which was consumed over the last 12 months. And that's happening across the board. In fact, New Zealand manufactured packaging today is about 40% lighter than it was a decade ago. But the national report card would probably read could do better. For instance, in many areas, there are restrictions on plastic recycling. In Wellington, only plastics one and two are recyclable, compared with Auckland and Christchurch, which do better. And few councils collect green waste. A quick audit of your own home is likely to quickly reveal large volumes of material you can't recycle. Here in the kitchen, we've got a plastic here. It's the semi-soft, and that is a number seven, so I can't recycle that. Now, we've got food scraps, and they are going to wind up in the rubbish. There's quite a lot in here that I couldn't recycle. We've got a laminated box for the Vita Soy. We've got a plastic shopping bag. We've got a cheese plastic container there and we've got some egg noodle packaging and I'm sure that you cannot recycle any of that. Every three years the Wellington City Council analyses the contents of its yellow rubbish bags as well as taking samples from the landfill. The latest survey in 2005 showed 64% of the average rubbish bag was compostable material such as paper and kitchen waste. Plastics comprise 13%, so almost 80% could be recycled. In landfills, just over 50% was paper and organic waste, and close to 90% of the rubbish was recyclable. On average, we only recycle half our rubbish. The cost of dumping this waste is tens of millions of dollars, not to mention the waste of reusable goods that wind up in the tip, an issue that's now the new frontier in waste management. We still throw away to landfill somewhere in the order of 400 kilograms per person um, per year, which you know is obviously a lot, and so we've still you know, got a long way to go. Dr Russell Norman is the Green Party co-leader and sponsor of the Waste Minimisation and Resource Recovery Act passed last month. Its aim is a drastic reduction in waste. It's an opportunity to uh, reduce our waste to landfill and save ourselves a lot of money. We probably throw away $250 million of valuable resources into landfill each year and this is a way to hopefully divert them into more productive uses. The Act includes incentives to reduce waste going into landfills by charging a levy of $10 a tonne. The money will fund waste reduction projects, with half going to local councils. Most crucially, the Act enables the designation of so-called priority products, particularly troublesome waste, for which manufacturers must provide a disposal plan. Paul Kennell, the manager of the Waste Implementation Team at the Ministry for the Environment, explains. A large part of the Waste Minimisation Bill is designing for the environment. So we're hoping that the solutions for recycling will become front of pipe so that the manufacturers over time will be designing products that don't have as much waste or that the waste can definitely be recycled. Russell Norman says the legislation will work alongside commercial interests which are keen to extract valuable parts of the waste.
Part of what's been happening is that as we reach resource limits globally, the price of a lot of these resources is, is increasing dramatically, and hence their value to business is increasing dramatically. So there's, there's a lot more interest in actually finding ways to recycle or reuse some of these resources, um, just for purely financial reasons. Because our trash is turning into treasure in some cases, isn't it? That's right. I'm sure we will find ourselves mining some of the landfills in, in times to come for some of those valuable elements um, and some of those resources that are in those landfills. E-waste provides a salutary example of the way waste is literally turning to gold in countries which buy our computer waste. Wellington City Councillor Celia Wade-Brown reports on a trip she made with other computer specialists to investigate pollution and recycling standards in Singapore where some of that waste is processed. Plastics are separated properly, the metals are taken out without air pollution. I mean, you've got gold ingots coming out of these old computers, it's extraordinary. 97% of the waste is recycled and there's 3% of non-hazardous materials that go to landfill. Back on the home front, New Zealand is a valuable source for countries which process our rubbish to unlock the riches within. And the recycling industry is looking forward to a bonanza as a result of the Waste Minimisation Act. This is an industry which proves where there's muck, there's brass. Trans-Pacific Albright's Petoni plant outside Wellington processes the contents of Wellington's green recycling bins. What a big pile of rubbish. Yeah, we do here daily around about 160 tonnes a day of recyclable material through here. We like to see that type of stuff. It's great. That's a compactor? Yes, it is. That compacts plastic in cans. Does about 30 bales a day, this particular one. And then we've got a bigger one over there that does solely paper, and that does approximately 100 bales a day. Glass disposal, obviously. Most of what's in here is destined for Asian markets, where the soaring price of energy and steel and paper production make recycling these products profitable. And the list of recyclables is growing. Des Fell and Leanne Palabon manage the plant and talked me through the processing. There's quite a mixture of waste in here. I mean, you don't keep those plastic bags, do you? Yep, as you can see there, we do recycle plastic bags. We have a buyer for plastic bags now, so this has been specially designed by the Albright engineers um, to collect the plastic bags and, and market them. I always thought that there was a limit to what sort of paper, but no. this is okay? Yes, it is. Um, and that's because of the, the markets that we have. They are less... Um, Less fussy, I guess, if you like, about the, the type of product, the type of fibre. So, so you'll take any kind of paper? Um, no, paper with a wax film on it or something like that, that's not, that's not good for the paper mills that they go to. But generally speaking, yeah, glossy magazines and brochures and cardboard newspapers, all that kind of thing. Soon new products are likely to come tumbling down the conveyor belt as the Waste Minimisation Act gathers steam. As Des Fell explains, Albright's expects to expand its operation as a result. How many people do you employ here? Uh, all up, uh, 90 people in the Wellington operation. So it's obviously an industry that's creating jobs. Definitely, and it's an industry I would say the way the government's pushing it will continue to grow. 
Older plants like this one limit what plastic they take, but newer plants can handle a much wider range of recyclables. From next year, the Christchurch City Council will offer households three wheelie bins, one for rubbish, one for recyclables, and another for green waste. It's a private-public partnership with global waste giant Trans-Pacific, formerly known as Waste Management. Tony Moore is the council's principal advisor on sustainability. We're taking all clean packaging, so uh, from one right the way through to nine. There's no doubt that there's quite a lot of recyclable material in the waste stream at the moment, and uh, roughly about 20% of the household waste can currently be recycled, and about half can actually be composted. So if you put those two together, we're going to have a big impact on the domestic waste stream. We're going to really slash it significantly. So, so that's about 70-odd percent, <coughs> is that right? Correct, and that was, the, that was what was observed in Timaru when they introduced a similar service. Public demand may be a key driver of the scheme, but a major consideration is also potential big savings. So very much community-driven. Well, we're responding to the community needs, but we're also responding to an environmental need, of course, and that is to not send waste to landfill. Currently, uh, the cost of disposal of that waste is at about $165 a tonne. It works out at about $40 million a year from the public's point of view. So it's like we need to cut into that as well. Not only are we minimising waste, we're actually minimising a waste of money. Under this collection system, the traditional rubbish bag will be banned, as they already are in Australia. They're also largely banned in Auckland City, which has joined forces with the Monaco City Council to run a state-of-the-art recycling plant, also taking most kinds of packaging. Michael McQuillan is the Auckland City Council Group Manager of Environmental and Utility Management. That critical mass by getting together with Manukau City Council enabled some large international players to come into the marketplace and establish themselves. Do you envisage other councils might join the schemes? Oh, very much so, and we know they're very interested now and they're making inquiries. Auckland's earlier recycling system with its yellow top bins helped reduce waste to landfill by a third. Michael McQuillan says the new system has reduced waste even further. The Auckland resident is, is very keen to recycle and they've leapt at the opportunities and, and we've seen increased volumes of recyclables but more importantly we've seen a reduction in our average daily tonnes of refuse sent to landfill around 10%. While most of us focus on household and commercial waste, the fact is 50% of all waste originates in the demolition and construction industries. Six million tonnes of demolition and construction waste is dumped every year, twice the volume of all other waste. Demolition waste is likely to be listed in the legislation as a priority product, requiring special disposal plans. Tony Moore of the Christchurch City Council says a bylaw already bans man-made material from clean fills, which is where most construction waste is dumped. You can put in stones, soil and rubble, effectively things that would have come out of the hole in the first place, but you have to recycle the wood, the glass, the plastics, the, the uh, jib board, all those other materials that you commonly find in buildings uh, and a lot of packaging actually at the same time. New industries have sprung up to deal with the waste, some with recycling rates of 80%. Indeed, the new bylaw is forcing changes to the design of building materials and buildings themselves. As Tony Moore explains, it's all designed to minimise waste. 
So we've gone back to some of the manufacturers of componentry like um, Woolstone Wallboards, and they've said, hang on, if you have to do this, we can actually minimise the amount of waste you generate off a site by creating different panels that are different sizes that meet your needs rather than having all these offcuts. So the whole building sector has suddenly become aware of this bylaw and the trickle-down effect has uh, had a huge benefit to the whole of the city. Christchurch also collects green and kitchen waste, but it's one of the few councils that does. In fact, the collection of household green waste is a controversial issue. It seems so simple. Collect the waste, turn it into compost, and enjoy the bounty of fruitful crops and gardens. Joe Knight is the chief executive of the environmental organisation Zero Waste. Compost is very good on the land. Price of fertiliser has gone up about three times in the last 18 months. We've got some very good resources in that composting material that we could put back in our land, which is sadly depleted in micronutrients and humus, etc. In the Wairarapa, farmers are rediscovering composting and its ability to improve soils and cut fertiliser use. Okay. Where are we off to? Uh, we're just going to go and have some have a look at some crops that we've applied to Living Earth onto. Paul McGill manages an idyllic sheep and cropping farm near the Wairarapa town of Carterton. He uses compost produced at a private plant based at the Wellington City Council's southern landfill. On the cropping side, the Living Earth is quite good in terms of the um, amount of organic matter that's in it, 60% organic matter and cropping systems are generally low in organic matter because you haven't got as much livestock cycling so that's definitely an advantage of them, you're replacing the organic matter that's been lost in a cropping situation. So since you've been using the compost, what differences have you noticed? Well mainly um, I have been able to cut back on fertiliser use because we've got good soil fertility. Also soil structure, with the organic matter again it helps with soil structure, that's a um, commonly known thing so anything to improve the soil structure is going to help the crop to um, uptake nutrients from the soil. Wired up a farmer Mike McCrary who uses and also sells the compost says composting waste is a no-brainer. It's logical, you know, if we're selling all our meat out of the wire wrapper into Wellington and, you know, uh, there's going to be a big condensed lot of nutrients coming out of there and we can pour it back onto our land in the wire wrapper and, uh, you know, we're creating that full circle, you know, using, not wasting anything, not pouring it in the ground or pouring it in the sea. A decision last year by the council to close the composting plant appalled both farmers, though that decision is now under review. One reason is the environmental impact of simply dumping green waste in landfills. The council collects kitchen waste from local restaurants and cafes to feed the composting plant. And Wellington City Councillor Celia Wade-Brown says that scheme will continue. We've got a really big demand for that from commercial food premises. They really like it. A lot of the people that work in the hospitality industry are young, environmentally aware, and they can't bear seeing this horrible mixture of plastic and tea bags and lettuce leaves all getting mixed up. So there's quite a groundswell of support for that scheme. What won't be going in the compost is Wellington's sewerage sludge, produced at the council's Moa Point Waste Treatment Plant. 18,000 tonnes of sludge a year is mixed with green waste at the composting plant. But from December, this will be diverted into the landfill instead. Mike McCrary says the move is not only wasteful, it also means there might not be enough compost to satisfy local farmers as well as Wellington City gardeners.
to landfill the sludge is absolutely crazy. I'm no scientist, I don't know what the consequences of burying it are, but I guess there must be huge methane issues in the ground, whereas we're putting it on the ground and using it all up. From December, the methane produced by the sludge will be piped from the landfill and used to generate power. Meanwhile, environmentalists hope bio-waste, including kitchen and garden waste, will eventually be designated a priority product, thus promoting collection and composting schemes. Green co-leader Russell Norman. In an ideal world, um, I'd love to see all of that organic material actually being returned to the land um, as fertiliser. That's got to be the long-term future. I mean, we have agricultural soils with declining organic matter um, and declining quality with very high and very expensive fertiliser inputs. The cost of fertilisers tripled. Um, so I think that the long-term future has to be a finding a way to use that, uh, the, sur- the treated sewage, um, to take it back to land as well as all the other um, green waste. Councils will be grappling with this issue over the coming months, with the Wellington City Council now reviewing its entire recycling system, as well as how best to use the sludge. Meanwhile, manufacturers and importers are considering the impact on them of any requirement for disposal plans for products once consumers decide to dump them. The computer, appliance and demolition industries are all likely to be affected. There's no way of telling how much this will reduce waste headed to landfills, but there are clear signs that changed attitudes to waste are already reducing volumes. Paul Kennell of the Ministry for the Environment. There's approximately 3.2 tonnes of garbage going to landfills each year, and that's been relatively stable over the past 10 years. Now that's quite an accomplishment in a way, isn't it? Because we've seen 10 years of boom times, really. That's right. If you compare that in terms of um, dollar values against GDP, it's actually a drop of close to 29%. The potential for much greater waste reduction is huge, provided the Waste Minimisation Act works as everyone hopes it will. But there's a big bill attached to these initiatives. While producers of goods such as appliances and computers might have to plan for waste disposal, it's consumers who will bear the cost probably through levies added to the sale price. Joe Knight says similar schemes already work in countries like Japan. You pay for the um, disposal of that item as you buy for it, or you can buy a voucher from the equivalent of the post office. You can ring a number, arrange to put the object out on, on the boom at a particular time on a particular date with its voucher, and it will be whisked off and it will be recycled. Consumers can, of course, reduce their exposure to these costs by buying and using less. Celia Wade-Brown of the Wellington City Council. It doesn't necessarily mean um, doing without, but it means thinking about what kind of thing you're buying. It's about what kind of um, packaging it's in. It's about perhaps buying a decent pair of shoes that are going to last a bit longer. It's about finishing off that notebook. Back home, I can see for myself the difference recycling makes. 35% of Wellingtonians bypass council collections using large wheelie bins to dispose of waste. And that's what I use. This bin used to go out half full each week, excluding green waste. Now with collection day just two days away, there's just three small bags of rubbish languishing in the bottom. The rest has been recycled. Still, we're just halfway to zero waste, though our smaller towns and districts are blazing a trail with simple systems that have dramatically reduced waste. 
Joe Knight says the small Bay of Plenty town of Apotiki shows what's possible. They're diverting 90% of their waste from landfill right now. Not using high-tech materials at all, but just using plain old sorting techniques and reusing techniques. Also, uh, Mackenzie District, Kaikoura, Ashburton, all done very well. Uh, Some of those councils have diverted 75% of their waste. The evidence is clear New Zealanders can reduce waste by up to 80%, which should yield fewer greenhouse gas emissions and a smaller ecological footprint. It also shows individuals can make a difference, and already are. That programme was written and presented by Karen Gregory Hunt. Technical production was by Damon Taylor, and the executive producer was Philippa Tolley.